be with you this morning. Let me get set up here for a second. Found your scripture, Tyler. Back there. It's good to have some of them home from school to to be used and uh, give them the experience as uh, I can remember my days back there doing what what Tyler just did as he feels called into the ministry and is starting to to learn and to study. So I like to give them opportunities and uh, none of us are perfect and and I know he was nervous and others and I I just love their reactions and stuff. Um, Grace was was classic and uh, I think if... If I were to do that, I'd be doing that a lot when I preach. If that was my reaction, oh, I messed up again and hitting my head. But uh, it's just I, I enjoy working with the youth. I, I love their their realness, um, their their genuineness, and uh, it's it's been just enjoyable um, being a part of their lives. Hopefully, you were paying attention to to the reading they just did. Um, I know it sounded a little bit like Dr. Seuss. To, to a point, um, he's one of my favorite authors. So, but uh, I, I hope you got the point out of that. And you know, this morning, I really want each of you to put yourself in that same spot because we're going to be talking about: Are you who you say you are? And if you were to be put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence against you to claim that fact? We saw in, in that story, for Jack, they proved that he wasn't one. Basically, all the evidence pointed to that, you know what? Outside of those church walls, there is no evidence that you are a Christian. And, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. And we're going to talk about and look through Scripture and see what it says. And there's times when I was praying, when I was, when I was asking God and reading through the Scripture on, on what I would share this morning... These sometimes type of topics can come where you sit there and you look up at, at whoever's saying it and saying, well, you know, who are you to be saying, you know, these things to me? And I want to make sure you understand that, uh, that that's not where I'm coming from at all. I, I do not ever intend to have everything together. Um, a lot of times when I'm preparing, God convicts me through these as well. And I'm right in this boat when we talk about this stuff this morning. Okay, so it's not like me standing up here and saying, I have my whole act together, you guys should too. That's not where I'm coming from. And I want to make sure that you understand that as we get into this. And with that being said, let's pray together. Father, again, I thank you for being here. I thank you for allowing us to come together. And to hear from you. I pray that in these next few minutes that I would not get in the way of what you would do here. That you would be here. That you would open up our ears and our hearts to all that you would say. And we ask this in your precious name. Amen. As we move into this, the question that I want you to be thinking about is, are you who you say you are? If you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what, I'm a Christ follower or I'm a Christian. Is that when you walk out these doors, who you really are? When you go 
maybe to a restaurant in this area. And how you treat that waiter or waitress. Are you treating them like, hey, I'm a Christ follower? Because you can go, and I think if you did a survey of waiters or waitresses, one of the days that they hate to work is Sunday afternoons. Because of us. Because we treat them rudely and we tip cheaply. And you may kind of smile, but a lot of times it's true. And that goes back to this, are we who we say we are? Are we living things out? And, and that's what we're going to look at. And I really want to kind of hit in on, on two points. And the first one is this. It's who you are is reflected by what you do and don't do. Who you are is reflected by what you do and what you don't do. And we're going to be looking at different passages in James that really hit on that. And the first one is that James chapter 1 passage. Now, we're not putting them up on here, so hopefully you have a Bible you can follow along with, or you can just listen to my sweet voice and and follow along to the Scripture. Don't shake your head like that, Katie. But James chapter 1, starting with verse 22, it says this. It says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, They will be blessed in what they do. Here you have these verses and it says, you can't merely just listen to the word. You have to also do what it says. And I would take that a step further that if if you are, are just listening and not doing, I would venture to say that you're not really listening. That, you know, how there's a difference between hearing and listening. You know, I know when I'm sitting and playing a video game with one of my kids and my wife is talking to me, and I'm kind of, uh-huh. You know, and finally all of a sudden she'll say, you're not even listening to me, are you? And it's like, well, I hear you. You know? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not listening. And, and it's the same here. It's kind of like there's times if you're not, basically what this is saying is if you're not acting on Scripture, if you're not doing something by what the Word says, then it's going in one ear, out the other. And he gives an example of what that's like. He says it's like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and forgets what he looks like. Okay, now now let's picture that for a second. Okay, I'm standing in front of my mirror in my house, you know, looking at how I look, fixing my hair. Takes about a half hour until I get all the little ones in place. All right, I actually haven't. I don't think I've I've brushed my hair like in 11 years. So. And some of you who are getting up there can, you know, you're right there with me, but you don't have anything up here to brush. Anyways, okay, I'm standing there and, and I, I look at myself, I, I, I see my reflection and everything. I know, okay, I'm Keith, this is who I am. I turn around, I walk out the front door, I have no clue who I am. Does that make any sense to you? If I would go from just a minute ago I'm looking at myself, I see who I am, I I know everything about me, I go out the door, and now I have no clue who I am. 
I forget totally that my name is Keith. I don't know anything. It makes no sense. How could I do that? How could I go from just looking at myself to being here and not knowing at all who I am at all whatsoever? And that's what this is saying is it's just like if you read God's word, if you listen to God's word and then you don't do it, it's no sense. It just makes no sense because it's just like you look at yourself and then you forget who you are. How many of you did that this morning? Looked at yourself in the mirror and then forgot totally who you were? One person. Okay? But we don't do that. So, and that's what he's saying. So if you're doing the same thing with Scripture, with His Word, with what He's telling you to do, the same it makes no sense and you're starting to reflect who you really are if all you do is listen if all you do is come here week after week and you sit here and you listen or maybe you hear it and you just walk back out and you do your same old thing he's saying you know what it makes no sense It just shouldn't happen that way. And I would say that if you're doing that, you really don't know who you are then. Because you may be saying, well, you know what? I follow Christ. But if you're not living that out, no, you're not. And you don't really know who you are. And he goes on in James chapter 2 along some of those same lines. James chapter 2, verses 14, he says this. He says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, by, faith by itself is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God good, even the demons believe that, and they shudder. So what is this saying? The first thing I want to make sure that you understand with this passage is that in no way can your good works get you to heaven. That can't happen. You can't say, well, I've walked... Someone across the street, I helped someone with their groceries, I washed somebody's car, I gave money to this, I'm going to heaven. That can't happen. The only way that you can get there is by believing what Christ did for you on the cross, that he died, that he paid that penalty for your sins, and that he rose again, and that if you accept that and you believe that and you put your trust in him, then you will live with him forever in eternity. That's how you get to heaven. But once you've made that decision, once you have that faith and you put your faith in God, then good works need to follow. If you look at this passage. Because it says, really, faith by itself, if, they're, if you're not doing anything, it's dead. It's worthless. It's useless. 
And here he gives another example of not truly doing anything. And he says there, if a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, and you just say to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, what does that accomplish? You know, if, if I see someone who's, who's totally hungry and, and they're not dressed well, and I'm just like, hey, Jesus loves you, have a nice day. And, and we do that sometimes. We walk right by people who are in need. And we, say, and we may say, you know, maybe we don't say Jesus loves you, but we're, you know, we're kind of saying, hey, man, ha- have a good day. And, and we walk away from them. And, and maybe we do say Jesus loves you. And they're sitting there thinking, well, if you really loved me, you'd give me food and something to wear. And that's what this is saying is there's so many times where, where we don't follow through. You know, what good would that do? What would his view of Jesus be if that's what we said? Probably not a good one. But yet if you put Jesus in that same place, is he going to go and say, Hi, I'm Jesus. I love you. See you later. You think that's what he's going to do? No. He's going to take care of his physical needs. He's going to feed him. He's going to make sure he's warm. And then he's going to say, hey, you know what? I want you to follow me. And as we go through life, and that's what the scripture is saying, is, you know what? You say you have this faith. You you say that you are a Christian. But yet, you do nothing with it. And basically, if you're doing nothing with it, why have it at all? And I would go as far as to say that if you're not doing anything with it or for God, I'm going to challenge you whether you really have any faith at all. And that's whether you're five years old or you're 99 years old. This applies to every one of us. And, and he's saying, you know what? You need to be doing something for me. Are you who you say you are? What you do or don't do reflects who you really are. And he goes on just to say, you know, verse 19, you believe that there's one God? That's great. Even the demons believe that. You know, you could sit here and say, yes, I believe that there is one God. But if you don't go out and do anything, what good is that? Because you're in the same boat. What he's saying here is you're in the same boat. The demons believe the same thing. They believe there's one God. But does that do them any good? No. Because... They don't truly know who he is. They don't truly have that faith. And they're not truly doing things. So you have this. Who you are is reflected by what you do and don't do. And these verses come out pretty clear that, you know what? If you truly have this faith, you need to be living it out. Because of what Jesus did for you, and because of you accepting that, there all of a sudden should be this, you know what? 
I'm just going to start living for him. I'm going to start doing things. And you may be sitting and saying, well, what does God want me to do? Start reading his scripture. You'll see it all over the place. Last week in, in youth group, we talked about just one verse, Micah 6, 8. And we're now spending the next few months on that verse, taking the different things that it basically just says, here's what God wants you to do. He wants you to do what is right. He wants you to love mercy. And he wants you to walk humbly with your God. There's three things. You know, and it's, you could take one of those, do what is right. Okay, that's what God wants you to do. It's simple, but it's tough. Because there's so many times we have choices that we can do what's wrong, we can do what's right. And so many times, okay, I know it's right, but I really want to do this. And, and we go that direction. You know? and, and it comes back to that whole question, are you who you really say you are? The second thing after the who you are is reflected by what you do and don't do is who you are is reflected by what you say. Who you are is reflected by what you say. James 1.26 says this, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Let me read that to you again. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues to see themselves and their religion is worthless. And then also James 3, 9 and 10 says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Who you are is reflected by what you say. Again, it gets back to, man, th- those are some pretty strong verses. Don't you think? You know, this, I, I'm not making this up, all right? This, this is coming straight from God's Word. And you say, man, if you can't keep a tight ring on your tongue, and you think you're, religion, you're religious, man, basically it's worthless. And it goes on to say, how can you basically come into here and praise God and then walk out those doors and do the opposite? It may not necessarily be swearing, but if you walk out those doors and, and you, you know, start tearing someone apart or complaining. Oh man, I don't really know if I like Keith's sweater vest this morning. I'm sure about that. You know? Um, that's an easy thing because you know, I'm going to wear it, so too bad. You like it or not. So they're coming back. and Well, they never, they, these never go out of style, I have to say. They've always been around. They always will be around. They're, they're just part of our world. I don't know. It sounds good, doesn't it? But you know, how many times have we done that where we will praise God and then we walk out the door and we do the complete opposite. You know? Or you're driving down the road and you are singing a praise song, listening to either a CD or one of the Christian radio stations, and someone cuts you off and, all, yeah! and you're yelling and screaming. 
you know, and you were just singing a praise song. And the next second, you're swearing or whatever. You're yelling and screaming. You know, and, and this verse says, you know what? That, that just shouldn't be happening. And, and he goes on to use an example there in the next two verses. Again, he just says, can both fresh water, salt water, flow from the same spring? Or use an example, you know, like can a grapevine bear frigs, figs? Yeah, I need to smack myself with my book. But, you know, that, those things just don't happen, right? And it's another one of those things where, okay, that just doesn't make sense. You know, if this was salty water and now all of a sudden it's fresh water, that makes no sense. It's not going to happen. And he's saying here again, it's the same with what you say. It makes no sense for you to praise me and then turn around and do the complete opposite. Especially if you're going to cut down and tear apart other people because they're made in my image. So you're going to praise me. You're going to praise God and, and who I am. And then you're going to cut apart somebody who's made in my image. Does that make sense? No. And that's why it defines who we are. No? And, and we can't have it those both ways. And he's basically getting to that question, are you who you say you are? And, and I want to close with, with okay, so, so why? What's the big deal? Maybe you're sitting here and you don't have a relationship with God. And, and you're kind of searching, you're looking. You know, I, I kind of know who this God is, but I, I'm not sure if I want to jump into this. And now after you've heard a lot of what I've said, you're probably thinking, eh, I don't even know more so if I want to jump into this. Because sometimes this makes us, who say we're Christ followers, look to be really, really bad people. I was amazed last night, I was just going through different things, and I didn't actually watch any of the videos, but I hopped on YouTube and I just typed in... Um, Christians are hypocrites, or something like that. And it was amazing, all of the videos that that pulled up with that title. And, you know, whether the people are right and wrong in what they're saying, you know, there's some reason out there why people have to make thousands of videos on that topic. And I just, you know, sat there looking at the numbers saying, it's ridiculous. But it goes back to, are we really who we say we are? Are we truly living it out? But there has to be, okay, why? Why do we want to make God Lord of our life? Why do we want to accept what Jesus did for us on the cross? But before that, I just want to show you this video that should just hit really again the importance of, you know, here's why you can't have it both ways. Jesus, I have decided to give you this. Really? Yeah. You know whoever sits here makes all the decisions, right? I know, and I'm always making decisions, but you make the perfect decisions, so you just sit right down and start making them. Wow, I'm honored. I mean, this feels great. Yes, thanks. Guess what? I just got my new credit card. It's time to go shopping. Oh, really? I thought your husband and you were going to pay off debt. Oh, yeah. I mean, money's kind of tight, but I figured he doesn't have to know about it. So do you want to oh. go with me? No. <laughs> no? Why? Uh, what I mean is, uh, I don't know. Um, so let me check my schedule, and then I'll get back to you. Okay, yeah, give me a call. Okay. Kat, what's going on? What do you mean? Well, I'm kind of one cheek in it here. 
Look, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. You wanted me to sit here, right? Well, of course. And whoever sits here makes all the decisions? Right. So what's the problem? Oh, there's not a problem. I just, I don't know what I was thinking. Really, please, here, sit down. As long as you're sure. I'm sure. Okay, so let's start over. Okay. All right. Kat, I noticed that you've been losing your temper a lot lately. Right. So, okay, Jesus, you know what? I know what you're going to say, but um, see, you, do? you don't know the whole situation, you know? Oh, I, well, all I'm saying is that your attitude is a decision. Yes, of course, but I have a lot going on right now. Well, I know you're under a lot of pressure. Pressure? Jesus, you don't understand pressure, okay? This I, isn't working, Kat. What? We can't both sit on the seat. It's either me or it's you. Okay, I know. You know, I, just, I didn't think it was going to be this hard, but here, just take it. No, I'm not going to take it. You have to give it to me. Okay, here. Kathleen, make a choice. I can't. You just did. He just drives home that point of, are you who you say you are? And so many times, you know, we struggle with that. Um, I struggle with that. At times, where you're like, okay, God, this is all yours. And then it's, you know, you start to push him off. And, and, and you start to say, you know, no, I, I don't want to go there. This, this is mine again. And, and the whole thing of, you know, it, it's either him or it's you. There isn't this half and half stuff, like what they said, one cheeking it. That doesn't work. And, and, and that's what we're driving at. And why? Why would you want to say, okay, God, I want you to start making all the decisions in my life. I want you to forgive me of all of my sins. I want you to have control. The main reason that I can give you why is just from personal experience. Yes, my life has not been perfect. Yes, I don't always, you know, this, this is a struggle, I will admit. But when Christ has been here, when Christ has been Lord of my life, he's got me through incredible things, some easy, some difficult. Even going back to seventh grade. You know, I'll never forget when my dad said, hey, we're moving. We, I lived in Akron, Ohio. It's just like, hey, we're moving to Columbus, Ohio to start a Christian school. You know, and I knew I was going from a decent sized class. I was like, well, how many kids are in the eighth grade class? Like six. And, and it's one of those things where, okay, you know, this is going to be interesting um, and what made it more interesting, when I got there, there was one other guy in the class. And, you know, I played soccer my whole life, all of that. And we got talking. He's like, well, soccer stinks, man. I don't like that at all. I'm like, ooh, this is, makes it even better. But, you know, and, and, you know, that's a small thing. But I learned, you know what? God is leading my parents here. And this is where God wants them. And, and it really gave me, even at, at, in seventh grade, okay, I, I need to totally trust God with this. And, and I learned a lot that year. And at the end of that year, my parents said, hey, my dad felt called into ministry. And he became a pastor. 
and we moved back up to Akron. And, you know, the, the funny thing was, was I fought that move, him becoming a pastor, a little more than, than the first one. But again, you can just see, as I let God control things, the good things that happen. I remember in college, and, and you know, it, it's just allowing him to do his work. And saying there was one where he was in control of stuff, but I didn't have enough money. I needed $500 for that semester, or I was going home. And, and I'm praying, and you know, I've been things had just been going well, and, and that was the thing. And out of the blue, a lady called me and said, "Hey, Keith, I normally give money to this organization, but I just really felt led to to give you some money for your college. How does $500 sound? You know?" And it's just like, okay, you know, that's just coincidence. No, it's God. You know, and there's times where all of a sudden you start taking this over, and I remember taking this over in college, and God will sometimes do this to you, and, and I know I've shared this before, but I firmly believe God did this to me when I took this back over and said, you know what, God, I'm not sure if I really want to go into ministry for you. I want to kind of do what I want to do. I think I want to become a soccer coach. I think I want to go in that direction, change schools, and, and all that kind of stuff, and all of a sudden I blow out my knee and end up flat on my back. Okay? Now, I don't want that to scare you about God, but he'll sometimes do that to us to wake us up. Um, But what I encourage you to do, man, keep him on here, and he won't have to do that stuff to you. You know, for me, he he had to hit me over the head. And for some of us, maybe that's what he's going to have to do. And I I was laid up for a while until I finally got back to letting him have this. And there's a peace and there's a hope in having Christ have control of your life, knowing that you're forgiven, that you can't find anywhere else. You can't find it in money. You can't find it in other people. You can only find it in God. I know since I've been married, going through different things, just financial struggles sometimes, going through the loss of a child, and now going through my dad fighting with cancer. Man, if Jesus wasn't here, I don't know where I would be. And I can say that honestly. Because he gives you hope, he gives you strength, and he gives you a future, and he gives you just the courage to deal with stuff that otherwise you may be curled up in a ball somewhere crying over the situation. And that's what he can do for each one of you. Whether you're here and you want to start a relationship with him, or whether you're here and you've had that relationship, but it's gotten to the point where you're not doing anything. And when you read through James, man, if you're not doing anything, your faith is useless. It's worthless. And if you're sitting here saying, look at me, I'm a Christ follower, but you're not doing anything, I'm going to challenge you on that. And I'm challenging myself on that. Remember when I said that at the beginning? When I say that, I mean, I challenge me. That's why I've been convicted with this, is, is that, you know what? Look at this past week. Could we line people up here from your life this past week that would be able to give evidence enough that you are a Christian? Could you do that? And I'm saying outside of anyone saying, well, you went to church on Sunday. You know? And, and as I was thinking about this, I'm looking at my life. Man, how many would be up here and, and get outside your family? 
Or maybe your family wouldn't be lined up here. (laughs) You know? In reality. And don't be sitting there making excuses. Think about it seriously. Are you who you say you are? And if you aren't, man, then you need to do something about it. If you haven't ever made Christ the Lord of your life and made him a part of your life and started following him, it's the the most important thing you can do. It's not about joining a church. It's not about, quote-unquote, being religious. It's about just following Christ and following his example and doing what he did as you read through Scripture. That's what it is. And yes, as you've seen in my life, things aren't perfect, but there's a hope there. There's a strength there. That I know he's not going to let me down. Yes, I may mess up, but God's never going to. There's such a huge strength in that, that if you don't have that in your life, man, I encourage you, take that step. This morning as we close, I'll give you opportunity to take that step. In, in, in a moment, we're going to pray. And, and if you're at the point where, where you're saying, you know what, I, I want to have Christ in my life. I, I, I haven't had him. I, I'm not following him at all. I've never accepted what he did for me on the cross. I want you just to pray the prayer with me as we pray it. And if, if you pray that prayer, all I ask is that afterwards, you come down and let me know. Not so I can make marks and say, okay, this is how many. I want to know so that I can be praying for you. And also one of the things is that when Christ becomes a part of your life and you start following him, you need to share that with other people. And I would be honored and privileged to be the first one to know that and to be praying for you. For others that you've made that decision, but, you know... Man, if you were in that court like Jack was, you'd be in the same boat. Someone could line up people. You know, in the, in the reading, it was four days. They had people coming in and saying, he's not a Christian. He does this. He does this. He does this. And if you're in that boat, but you're saying, you know what? I follow Christ. You need to make that change. You need to put God here again. And you need to start acting out what your faith says you should do. And I'm going to encourage you, two of our youth are going to, are going to sing a song that, man, if that's you, I just want you to step forward. I know you may feel uncomfortable leaving your pews, but you know what? Sometimes you need to make that physical movement to say, you know what, God, I'm taking the step. I'm giving, you know, not necessarily giving you this, but you, you saw what it meant in the, you know, this is yours. I, I don't want you to, I'm, I'm not like, take it. I just want you to be here. It's time for me to stop reflecting the wrong things and start reflecting you, the people around me. And if that's you as they sing, I, I want you to come forward and, and just do that before you and God. And say, God, it's time. 
I don't want to praise you and then walk out of here and curse you. I don't want to just read your scripture on a Tuesday and then totally forget about it. I want to act on it. And then you start becoming who you say you are. And people around you will start noticing and want to find out what it is about you that makes you different. But if you're here this morning, I'm going to pray. And as I pray, pray along with me if you want to start that relationship with Christ. And then if you two would come and sing after that. Let's pray. Father, I come before you right now. And I want to thank you for sending your son to this earth to die for me. I want to thank you that dying on the cross paid that penalty for my sins. I want to ask you for forgiveness of my sins, Lord. I thank you so much that they are completely forgiven. And I just want to accept all that you did for me there on that cross and also thank you that you rose again three days later and that you are living your life out today. And I pray that I would be able to live my life following you and following your example and that you would take every part of who I am and what I do And may it be all for you. I ask this in your precious name. Amen.